0: SNAP Production. Hello, welcome to the briefing. Tom Tilly with you, joined by Antoinette Latouf. And Antoinette, there's been a bit of debate about working from home recently. Elon Musk said that mm-hmm. it was dead, and his Tesla staff who didn't want to come back to the office could look for a job elsewhere, and then. The Atlassian founder here in Australia, Scott Farquhar, said they could all come and work for Atlassian. It sort of feels like that under the cover of the pandemic, Mm. working from home was all yes, yes, yes. But now that we're moving back to sort of something like normal... It's getting a lot more scrutiny.
1: Yeah, it's it's definitely a bit of a mixed bag because for so long workplaces believed you had to do the office grind and they resisted flexibility. But then the pandemic showed that how swiftly and in some cases well it could be done. And But some have now told their staff they literally never have to come back to the office.
2: Big corporates are saying, hey, you only have to come into the office four days a year or eight days a year. And that can be any of our offices in the world. So you could get that beach house in Costa Rica and you know live that lifestyle you've always been dreaming and then just pop up to San Francisco a few times a year to go in and see your colleagues.
1: But Tom, it's really not all beaches and sunshine because there are things that get compromised when everything's remote. And we're going to find out which groups of people are less likely to get ahead and thrive.
0: All right, that is our briefing, really kicking the tyres on working from home today. First, Let's find out what else is going on in the world. It is Wednesday, June 29.
1: Jeffrey Epstein's former partner, Ghislaine Maxwell, has been sentenced to 20 years in prison for sex trafficking. This comes six months after a jury found the 60-year-old guilty of luring teenage girls into Epstein's orbit for him
0: to abuse. Prosecutors have said that Maxwell was a calculating, sophisticated and dangerous criminal who preyed on vulnerable young girls and groomed them for sexual abuse They also said she acted as an organiser and leader of a massive operation that spanned many years.
1: And Jeffrey Epstein was a convicted sex offender who was arrested in July 2019 on sex trafficking counts. He killed himself in a New York City federal jail while waiting for trial.
0: Yeah, so this is pretty big news. Mm. It's a pretty solid sentence, 20 years. And my sense is that this sentence could bring this whole saga to a bit of a close. There was a lot of speculation that this Maxwell trial would drag in some other high-profile names like Prince Andrew and some of the other high-profile associates of Maxwell and Epstein like Bill Gates or Bill Clinton. But it doesn't seem to have done that. Prince Andrew settled his civil case. Mm. Maxwell's now in jail for a long time. Epstein's dead. So that might be it for now, unless more startling evidence emerges about other people in Epstein's orbit.
1: That's right. There are no other ongoing trials or criminal investigations. It's hard to know what the police are currently working on, but you're right. For now, it seems like that case has come to a bit of a close.
0: And the Prime Minister says a trade agreement with Europe is on the cards now that we're no longer a climate change outlier. Where the perception by Europe and indeed by the world
1: uh, that Australia was a handbag on global action on climate change was clearly hindering our capacity to enter into economic relationships with our European friends. Anthony Albanese has met with his Spanish counterpart ahead of NATO talks and has promised to push a free trade deal in all of his meetings with European leaders.
0: Including, I imagine, his meeting with uh, Emmanuel Macron in France, which is going to um, after the NATO meeting in Spain. Of course, after that botched submarine deal, France blocked the free trade negotiations between the EU and Australia. So if you can smooth that out, get France to support the free trade deal, it will be good news for Australian exporters who are doing it tough because of the bans in China, Mm -hmm. but they also seem to be loosening up as well. So, yeah, it seems to be pretty good work from Anthony Albanese opening up these trade relationships. Yeah,
1: absolutely. Making some ground and pretty swiftly, but of course, more work to go on the climate change front.
0: And Anthony Albanese is also looking to reopen Australia's embassy in the Ukraine capital of Kiev in a sign of solidarity.
1: So this follows Russian missile attacks on Kiev and a deadly hit on the central Ukrainian city of Kremenchuk that killed at least 18 civilians in a shopping mall. The attack has sparked widespread condemnation, including from PM Anthony Albanese. This is a civilian target. This reinforces the atrocities being committed in this illegal war of aggression by
0: Russia. Yeah, it's interesting timing for Anthony Albanese to go to Europe and there's been speculation of whether or not he'd go and visit Zelensky um, in Kiev, Um, but there's been some bombing on those central Ukrainian cities as we just mentioned. Um, Meanwhile, in Britain, the head of the armed forces, General Sir Patrick Sanders has made a landmark speech warning that the West must be prepared to contain Russia. This is our 1937 moment. We're not at war, but we must act rapidly so that we
2: aren't drawn into one through a failure to contain territorial expansion.
1: Yeah, so Tom, that 1937 is a reference to Western Europe's failure to confront Nazi Germany ahead of the outbreak of World War II and a pretty interesting fact that Australia is the largest non-NATO contributor to the Ukrainian military effort.
0: And in the US, three more people have died in hospital in one of the deadliest cases of people smuggling, bringing the total death toll of this incident in Texas to 50.
1: So a tractor trailer was discovered in San Antonio, Texas, filled with bodies on Monday evening, local time. Twelve adults and four children were taken to hospital, three passing away earlier today. When they were brought in, they were hot to touch and suffering from heat exhaustion and heat stroke.
0: I would urge you all to think compassionately and pray for the deceased, the ailing, the families, and we hope that those responsible... For putting these people in such humane conditions are prosecuted to the fullest extent of the law. That's the mayor of San Antonio, Ron Nuremberg, and temperatures around that part of America have been hitting 37 mm. degrees. So that is just a horrific tragedy.
1: Scotland will have another independence vote next year. I want the process set and trained today to lead to a lawful constitutional referendum and for that to take place on the nineteenth of October twenty twenty-three.
0: That's First Minister Nicola Sturgeon. So Scotland last held a referendum to separate from the UK in 2014, so not that long ago. Mm. Um, In that case, 55% of Scots said no, and that was with a record voter turnout of almost 85%. But it's back on the agenda because at the recent election in 2021, last year, Nicola Sturgeon and her Scottish National Party made it a signature policy to have another vote. Mm.
1: And so the big change since the last one, Tom, is obviously Brexit, and the majority of Scots voted to remain in the EU.
0: All right, that is it for our headlines. And if you're relatively new to the briefing, uh, maybe you're one of our new Spotify listeners. Thank you so much for joining us. And we'd love you to subscribe. And if you really like listening to the briefing, tell your friends about it. We'd love to keep you as a listener. Get in touch via our Instagram, drop us a DM if there's something you want us to cover. We're always checking them, looking for ideas. So thank you for that. Antoinette, you're about to carry on with a deep dive on working from home.
1: Ugg boots and PJs from the waist down and a business shirt waist up. So work from home made for a lot of funny memes and also some awkward viral moments when cameras were left on and someone accidentally walked out of the shower. For so long, big corporations were inflexible and saying remote working wasn't an option. But then they quickly proved it can be thanks to the pandemic. But we're no longer mandated to stay at home, to work and life is largely back to normal. So what now? Is work from home really here to stay? And who does it really benefit? Dr Libby Sander is a fellow of the Australian Institute of Management and also the founder and director of the Future of Work project and we're going to unpack what people can do to ensure their careers don't suffer if they continue to work from home. Dr Libby Sander, thanks so much for joining us. Firstly, do you still work from home and what's your verdict on it for you?
2: I do the hybrid work model, so some days I'm in the office and some days I'm at home, which is what we know around 70% of employees are wanting. So it works really well for me.
1: And so when Elon Musk made headlines, he said something um, that you know, remote work is no longer acceptable. Did the Tesla CEO just voice what other bosses and managers were secretly thinking, or is it that the forty hours in the office is now a bit of an antiquated concept?
2: Yeah, we do work long hours, but this idea is sort of going back to the 1950s. So, Atlassian came out and said, yes, um, we think that's a terrible idea. And if anyone at Tesla would like a job, you know, get in touch with us. So, most employers are understanding that employees do want flexibility. We know that you can work productively from home and that has so many other benefits. And look, employees are voting with their feet if Mm. they don't, Get that,
1: they leave. Yeah, so you mentioned that billionaire biffo on Twitter. Now, the Atlassian (laughs) boss, Aussie Scott Farquhar, has said um, he's happy to poach Musk's employees for remote Mm. jobs because their staff will be told in mid-2020 to never come back into the office. But I do want to point out something there because then he also mentioned that 42% of Atlassian's workforce lives globally. So that means Mm. you're competing with people not only in your city for a job but also in regional areas and abroad. Yeah, look, that's really been a
2: huge shift since COVID, even though we could have done this in theory. Now this war for talent, because it really is this huge war for talent now, is global. So yes, you are competing with people globally, but it's also a huge benefit. So big corporates are saying, hey, you only have to come into the office four days a year or eight days a year. And that can be any of our offices in the world. So you could get that beach house in Costa Rica and you know live that lifestyle you've always been dreaming and then just pop up to San Francisco a few times a year to go in and see your colleagues. So it's really changing the whole landscape of work and companies are really competing and they have to change the way they think.
1: And from a business owner perspective and over dinner table conversations and weekend barbecues I've heard managers and business owners moaning that Uh, people working from home, they struggle to get their staff to be motivated. Sometimes it's hard to get a hold of them. While theoretically it sounds great that they had some concerns about productivity and staff morale because they didn't have that connection. Is that something the research is showing? Look, I think there are two
2: concerns here. And what we need to remember is that Things weren't this utopia when everyone was working in the office. And Mm -hmm. I think it's very, it's like childbirth. It's really easy to forget this, that engagement has been, you know, only a third of employees globally have been engaged for decades. Productivity has been declining for decades. Mm -hmm. And what the research says is that there are other issues. There may be issues related to culture. Maybe they're just not the right employee. Not everyone is suited to working from home. It's not one size fits all. And the other really key piece in this is a lot of managers don't know any other way to manage. You know, they've only ever done it whereby if I can see you, I think you're working, I hope you're working. And so they need a lot of support and a shift in mindset to do this. Mm. But there are things that do benefit from face-to-face interaction in the office around collaboration, you know, learning, networking and things Mm. like that but we don't need to do it every single day.
1: Is that something we're not talking about or not rolling out enough? And that is retraining managers. As you say, they've never had teams or had a a workplace as it is at the moment
2: absolutely and look there is zero correlation between someone just being in the office and being productive and i'm sure you know most people know someone that they work with who falls into that category or maybe you know we've all had those days when we're in the office and you know wishing we were somewhere else but managers you know it is a mindset of you know how do i manage a distributed workforce a remote workforce and there are multinationals who have been doing this very successfully for decades and i think we sort of forget that as well we just think oh before covid everyone was in the office and now they're not mm. and so So managers are feeling the strain. They've had a workload that might have increased a lot and they've sort of got a whole new aspect to their job now. And so we definitely do need to provide them with a lot more support and more training.
1: And women um, have been found in some ways to be worse off despite flexibility and working from home, helping with things like care and no longer having to commute. But in, in some ways, it can be worse off for, for women because women already struggle to get into leadership roles and pay rises. We know that. There are some systemic issues. And mm. what could having them less visible and physical in the office do for you know future career trajectories?
2: Yeah, this is a real challenge as we've seen. You know, women might have been working from home, schooling kids from home, still doing all of the other things that have to be done at home. And this is an issue that top companies are addressing. That visibility, just being in the office and Mm. if we like, sort of sucking up to the boss, Mm. means that you're the one that gets promoted when it's actually not necessarily related to performance. And so I think probably being out of the office five days a week. That will suit a smaller percentage of people, but not everybody wants that. So I think if you're in the office two or three days a week, then that shouldn't have an impact on your promotion opportunities. And so some research has shown that remote workers were promoted Equally to those in the office, you know, other researchers saying, you know, it, it is a concern. But I think it has to come back to the practices in the company and companies taking a really hard look at themselves and saying, are we just kind of promoting someone who's around all the time and looks really busy, that mm-hmm. um, FaceTime concept, or are we genuinely promoting on performance?
1: And you mentioned that some global businesses are addressing this. Do we know what specifically they're doing?
2: Well, some companies are doing things like, for example, not having meetings that are hybrid, So a hybrid meeting is terrible where you've got some people Mm. in the room and some people online because the people online are going to be forgotten. uh, You know, it's a totally different dynamic. So they're saying, well, look, if everyone can't be in the meeting face-to-face, then we'll have the meeting entirely online. The next step to that is obviously culture, it's training, it's performance management. It's really having these conversations to say, what are we celebrating here? What are we rewarding in our organisation? What types of things do we value? And it shouldn't just be about the person working the longest hours who's hanging around the most is the one that gets promoted.
1: And so what should employers consider to get the most out of staff with a hybrid model? Because this is a challenge on both ends.
2: Absolutely. And I think it comes back to the particular dynamics of that team. So having really clear conversations with what is the function of this team? Do we have to do most of our work in real time. So what we call synchronous. So everyone's kind of doing things together so that they are contactable Mm. because some of our work does require that. But then there's a good percentage of work also that we call asynchronous where you don't have to be doing it at the same time. But unless we have conversations around that, you know, as a team with the manager so that people are all on the same page to say, okay, well, these are the times when we do need to be contactable, as you were saying, you know, if you can't find someone and you really need something done, but that's not a problem exclusive to remote work. That happens in the office as well. (laughs) You know, having those clear conversations, working out what are the tasks, what is this dynamic of this team, really keeping those communication lines clear. And if performance issues do come up, addressing them early as we would with people face-to-face in the office, but that often doesn't happen enough either.
1: And for employees, one of the concerns I routinely hear is, oh, I'm just constantly working. I log on before breakfast, mm-hmm. I log on again after dinner. Um, do mm-hmm. you have any pointers how to manage that flexibility without it feeling like you're working around the clock?
2: Yeah, I think employees felt when we started working from home, we had to do longer hours because we were very nervous to be seen to be working or that what's going to happen. And so some companies, again, are taking really proactive steps around this saying, please don't send emails after these hours, or you're not expected to respond after these hours. And well-being, we know is an enormous issue. Mental health in the workplace mm. is a huge issue. So the company really needs to take, you know, a step to put things in place. Because if we just have this rampant culture of like, Please respond at any time. So, personally, having boundaries to say, you know, take your work email app off your phone or the messaging apps because our brain is constantly expecting this ping, and that has, you know, significant uh, issues in terms of our ability to switch off and also other implications for our mental and physical health. So take those apps off, put your phone down, get outside, have a walk, you know, have clear boundaries around when I'm starting work, when I'm stopping work, don't wake up in the morning. And then the first thing you do is pick up your phone and check your email.
1: Yeah, some great advice. I also want to get some of your thoughts on what those employees, those who are traditionally most likely to be overlooked for big pay rises or career progression like women and people of colour and those with a disability, what do you think they can do to ensure that, yes, they have that flexibility and hybrid model but that, that also they're ensuring there's a good career trajectory?
2: Absolutely. I think obviously there's a big responsibility on the company side, but for employees who are feeling that that may affect them, I think it's being very proactive. And we know from research that women tend to be less proactive in terms of putting forward their achievements, communicating with the boss about what they've done or where they'd like their career to go. And so I think opening those communication channels and saying, look, I've achieved this. This is what I've done. Keeping them regularly updated, asking for feedback, having conversations about this is where I would like to be going. This is where I see myself developing. You know, what do you see? And opening those lines of communication because sometimes we can think, oh, people will notice that we're doing a good job. So I'm sure my manager or others are noticing. And we know that that isn't necessarily true. And people who speak the loudest sometimes are the ones who, as we know, get the most attention. And so I think you do have to be an advocate for yourself and really talk about the things you're achieving and where you want to go and and not be embarrassed about doing that.
1: So any parting words for the likes of Elon Musk who expect people to be in the office 40 hours a week? Well, I think it's going to be really interesting. I think,
2: you know, when you're working for a company that is perhaps trying to go to Mars, people might tolerate that for a while, but over the long term, I think it's probably not sustainable. And so it is a war for talent. We know that. And so if I was that company, I'd probably be worried about my talent walking out the door and maybe joining Atlassian.
1: That was Dr. Libby Sander, who's a fellow of the Australian Institute of Management and the founder and director of the Future of Work Project. There's some really interesting thoughts about productivity there. And I guess for ages, we've thought that means how many hours you do in the office. But that could just really be people on long ciggy breaks or on Facebook at their desk the whole time. And so, yeah, it does call for a bit of a rethink of what it means to be productive. And yes, women do a lot of the domestic load. Like when I work from home, yes, it helps with the kids and I chuck on a load of washing between meetings. But at the end of the day, I do feel like I'm doing two full-time jobs. So it's pretty exhausting but one of the main things, I guess, I took away from that is that managers really need support. So much of the discussion has been about employees. And yes, we've been told again and again, it's a employee's market at the moment. But real change happens when managers are on board and feel empowered to navigate these uncharted waters.
0: Tomorrow on The Briefing, you've heard a lot about the overturning of Roe versus Wade in the US. So in this episode, we're going to find out who Jane Roe actually was. And the incredible story of her life and the confession that she made on her deathbed.
1: Listener.